Welcome to Covenant Church's Sermon Discussion. This conversation happens most Wednesdays on Facebook Live between me, Michelle Lichty, the Communication Director at Covenant, and the Preaching Pastor from the previous Sunday. If you haven't already, I recommend listening to the sermon before listening to our discussion. Well, good afternoon. I am Michelle Lichty, and I am here with David Henderson. Hello. Sorry, I'm trying to get my phone here set up. There we go. All right. (laughs) Awesome. Um, And we are here to discuss David's sermon from this past Sunday, A Life of Love for Others, based on John chapter 13. And I think we had a couple of verses from John 15 as well thrown in. Um, So David, this Sunday, we started in on the, a new sermon series. Now it's, and now I'm blanking on the title. Last words, lasting presence. That's Thank all right. you. Yes. I have the image in my mind and I can't think of the title. Um, it's, and this is based on Jesus's discussions with his disciples at the last supper. And I think you've called it a charter for the church. It's interesting. I mean, that was one of the things that struck me, Michelle, as I was going back through this and spending a lot of time with it, getting ready for this series. It's called the Upper Room Discourse. That's kind of the standard way people talk about it. chapters 13 mm-hmm. to 17 of John's Gospel, that whole uh, last conversation he has with the disciples. I think up till this point of studying it, I've kind of thought of it as just kind of a, a random catch-all. Um, hey, th- here's some of the things that are just been on my mind that I want to say to you guys before I go. And it's much more obviously to me, an intentional review and laying a foundation. Things are changing. I'm about to be gone. You are about to be sent out. These are some things you've got to have squared away in your head before you go. And yeah, so I I really do think it is in many respects, a charter for the church. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and it's, I think, I can't remember if you said this in your sermon, it's not in my notes, but it's his last words, basically, before his death. And so we want to take those words seriously. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, And, and it is really interesting to think, yeah, yeah, it strikes me that it, it really is this kind of strategic readying of the disciples for the new reality. What begins now is the church and what begins now is the age of the spirit what begins Mm. now is the opposition of the world what begins now is this in between time between my first coming and my second coming Mm -hmm. these are the things you need to have in mind as you embark on that Mm -hmm. yeah and so in your sermon you we you know looking at john chapter 13 you focused in on uh three ways that Jesus describes his relationship with the disciples. Um, And they were teacher, student, or teacher, follower, uh, master, servant, or master, slave, and then Lord and messenger, or Lord and commissioner, I think is the word, agent, something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so why don't we dive into those just a little bit? teacher student we said mm, we're not really the kind of relationship we're used to in the 21st century yeah exactly <laughs> yeah it's um 
we think we know exactly what that image means. And it turns out it's something profoundly different. You know, we, we don't really care what our teacher thinks. And so we're going to kind of do what we want. We just think of uh, that relationship as being the source of downloaded information. Um, not this life I'm seeking to pattern myself after. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was the, that was the foundation of the Jewish educational model was imitation. Mm. And so it makes so much sense when Jesus says, um, I'm setting you an example, do this. It's not like, Oh, by the way, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm laying out a life pattern for you. Follow it. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so a follower imitates the teacher. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then um, we said master servant, which was really not a servant. It's slave. Yeah. It's the word. It's the Greek word, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And really unarguably it's, there's just not a case to be made that it's anything other than slave. And what, yeah, the observation I made for that is particularly for us in the U S it's like, <laughs> you know, that's, that's not a category that I like. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think it is a central category. I'm going to, I just heard an awesome quote from CS Lewis that I'm going to incorporate into a message coming up um, where he really says that's, our coming to a place of, of total surrender to Jesus is the heart of the Christian faith uh, in mm-hmm. terms of a faith response. And, and that in that is its offense. And um, so I think, um, yeah, I mean, again, I'm struck with that one. And, and uh, the first one, teacher follower, imitate me. This one, obey me. The next mm-hmm. one, um, carry out my commission, make my mission your mission. Uh, that in all three cases, and I was never struck before in the way in the way that I was this time by the weight of Jesus's far-reaching claims of authority. Mm-hmm. Hey, I claim every aspect of your life as being rightly under me, under my rule, under my leading. So, this is what I'm saying to you, Church mm. in the Bud. Um, uh, live a life of love so yeah this this kind of um yeah he he does not hold back here when he talks about the nature of his relationship with the church yes and then and then gives like the foundation foundational principle of of how we are to live yeah um which you've just mentioned um from verse 34 of chapter 13 a new command i give to you to love one another. I just, you know, I, you talked about this just a teeny little bit, but I was like, I don't know. Like, why is this new? I don't see that it is actually a new commandment. Right. Why do we call it new? Right. And that's a great question. And there's conversation about that. And I think, yeah, because Jesus says, love God, love neighbor is the essence of the, of everything that has come before. I, I think what he, it means is the circumstance is new. Mm. And in this new circumstance, this will be the footing of your going forward. I'm not present. You mm. know, where before your first posture might be turned to me. Uh, right. What's Jesus going to do in this situation? How is he going to act? Well, I'm not going to be in the picture, not physically. Mm. I'll be there by the spirit. And that will be one of the messages coming up. And it's a key theme of this charter of the church. Um, okay, you are... I am absent. What is the presence that will determine the way you go forward? Well, it's, it's the presence of my love having transformed you, my love being the thing that sends you um, towards others in the world. So I think that's a sense in which it's new. Hmm. 
Okay. That makes sense. And I think, yeah, because this is, because the concept of the church is also new. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you mentioned earlier, um, this is the beginning of the opposition. Well, Jesus faced a ton of opposition, but he was there and he was the buffer between the opposition and the disciples. But now Jesus is going to be leaving and he is still, like you said, he's still here and inside of us, but now we don't have that. We don't have the same buffer. We have a deeper strength, but not the buffer. Yeah. When it's a sense they stood behind him and watch his challenging interactions with the world and religion with religious authorities. And, and now they are the front line. They are the, yeah, yeah, they are the body of Christ in the world today. We are. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think I just, (laughs) as I'm thinking about live a life of love for others, I still have to go back to how do we define love? Right. Yeah. I love it. The way we define love as believers in Christ is not the way the world defines love. Yeah. Yeah. Michelle, I think that is, I think that is, um, I I love you're kind of saying that slightly apologetically, like, okay, I'm going to just keep revisiting this. (laughs) It's crucial that we do. I think, I think it's such a great question to keep asking, what do we mean? Uh, Because there are so many things that are counterfeit versions of love. Mm -hmm. And you know, obviously there's the whole kind of uh, dating, marriage, sex, kind of all that notion of what love entails. And that's not what, the, that's not meant to be the imagery that Jesus calls us into here. And then in our culture today, there's this whole thing that, um, that means um, non-critical blanket mm-hmm. acceptance. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, that is not at all what Jesus is calling us to. Um, to me, the the fundamental elements as I keep wrestling this through are honoring the other person, granting them the honor and the dignity of treating them as an equal creature, a creature created in the image of God. Mm-hmm. Um, so to relate with a person in an honoring and a dignifying way, I'm not ripping you apart, belittling you. I don't just see you as the target. I don't just see you as the enemy. Um, I honor you as a, as an equal human being. And then I desire the best for you, but hmm. I don't believe, you know, what's best for you any more than I believe what's that. I know what's best for you. I am committed to the God who created us both. And mm. I believe he knows what's best for us both. And I'm still trying to figure out what that means. And I want to encourage you to discover what that means as well. So this is where the, the culture, society's way of loving and a Christian's way of loving begins to part ways profoundly. That mm. I desire your best, but what I believe your best is, is what God says is, is his best for you. And so then that raises huge questions of how I introduce what is God's best into conversation with you. And Mm. the way we don't do that is, well, this is the Bible and the Bible says this, and I'm going to hit you over the head with this because this is, no, if you don't recognize the authority of the Bible, all that does is alienate you 
and right. cause offense. And we saw some of that in our local news in the last couple of weeks where mm-hmm. that was very clearly communicated and that starkly communicated. I felt like I was being bullied by somebody mm. who says somebody in the news by, by a follower of Christ who was mm. trying to convert me and mm-hmm. starting with the authority scripture that I did not share as a point right. of reference with them. Um, so I honor you and convey, uh, I see you as a person worth equal honor and dignity. I desire God's best for you. And I live a life of sacrifice that puts you ahead of me in order to seek your best, to seek what is God's best for you. Mm-hmm. So that's that, um, a life of service, a life of care, regard, forgiveness, loving our enemies, praying for our, those who persecute us, um, and um, t- taking the initiative, making time in our schedule, sharing out of the, the, the scarce resources of time and money that we have, mm-hmm. um, time probably even a more scarce resource than money, and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and uh, laying our lives down for the sake of the people that God brings around us. So that's, a, I mean, that's an incredibly much richer version of what love is than saying, whatever floats your boat. Yes. That, that That's not love. Yes. And I think we can, I'm just reminded of uh, a conversation I had with a friend of mine. Um, she was moving, she moved into a new area in another state and she was making connections and she is a director, a theater director. And so she's making connections and, um, and she really clicked with somebody at a, an event she had attended. And so they ended up going out for coffee together. And in this conversation, I don't even remember what was said, but this, the person she was with was um, not a believer and, and, um, and gay. And he was saying something and she said, well, I think we probably will have different, I, I, I'm sure I have different opinions than you do on that. Or my viewpoint is different than you on that. And that doesn't mean we can't work together. You know, and I just thought, what a gracious way to yes. say, look, my outlook is different than yours. And it's not going to affect our working relationship. Yes, absolutely. And that, that goes to the first and the third parts of that love. I treat you as a fully equal human being. I treat you with dignity and honor, regardless of your views. And the third part, I'm going to put you first ahead of myself, not because you already agree with me, uh, but because that's the life that I'm called to. Yeah, I love that. And I found it, we've talked about this before, but I found it so helpful in conversations when it comes to the question of authority, which it does more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, more and more, that's, as we've talked about, that's the thing that we're disagreeing over is where do I turn to get um, the final answers to the questions that mm-hmm. I have. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's what um, your friend was, was disagreeing with, with this person across the table, not just a moral disagreement, but hey, we have a different starting point in answering the question, what it, does a moral life look like? Right. And, and I found it so helpful to be able to say, as a follower of Christ, I'm going to see that differently than you. So I'm declaring my authority um, in that sentence. I'm not saying, and you need to anything. I'm just right. saying, this is my starting point. And to yeah. just openly declare that, I've just found that that doesn't cause offense. 
And it just brings incredible clarity into the conversation. And then, then it's such a natural thing to say, you know, I'm going to, um, you know, I'm guessing that for you, the way you're going to approach a question like that is maybe based on the feelings you have or the culture's acceptance around you. And I, um, my starting point is this with this um, sense of responsibility. I feel called to to answer to God. I believe that He created me, and and I need to answer to Him. And so that means my my life is about trying to line it up more and more to what His standard and his purposes mm-hmm. and his pattern, and his design are. So I, that's just going to be a different place we're going to start. So we're going to arrive at very different answers about some mm-hmm. of those things. And then that sets the the stage for some great conversation about, well, what, how, why are, why is that your source of authority? And here's why this is mine, but that's kind of going in a little different direction, but yeah, very, very rich. Yes. And I think it just, it just really helps so that really helps to, um, it helps me think about conversations that I'm having, right? Like number one, am I treating this person with respect? Am I honoring who they are and where they are right now? And am I acknowledging why my beliefs are different to myself even, or just acknowledging who, to whom I am submitting my beliefs, right? Um, And also, am I imposing my, uh, you know, my viewpoints, my, you know, my authority onto that person, right? Or am I acknowledging that the people around me do not submit to the same authority? They do not submit to Jesus. And so I can't expect them to if they don't, right? That's, that's exactly right. I mean, imagine, imagine a, a, an Air Force officer walking into a grocery store and walking up to some guy in jeans and saying, why aren't you in uniform? Uh, why isn't your haircut to regulation? And the person looking at him like, what? Well, you know, clearly regulations say this is how you, what you should wear and this is how you should present yourself and all that. Regulations for who? Well, for those who are in the military. Yeah, that's where we differ. I have not submitted myself to that structure. So Mm. for you to ask me to behave as a military person when I have not yet uh, given my allegiance to the president in that role, that that um, is asking something of me that's a non sequitur. It doesn't make any sense. And the most fruitful conversations we can ever have with non-Christians always come back to, is Jesus the one who is worthy of your allegiance. Why? What are the claims that, uh, what are the ways he lived? What, what are all the things that warrant you giving him your allegiance? What are the obstacles to that? What would it look like to do that? And then all the rest, including our moral choices, all spills out from that first uh, mm-hmm. and primary and central decision. Mm-hmm. And so I just think we so often wind up in fruitless discussions if we're arguing over morals. And mm. we can get to really productive discussions if we're talking about who do I say yes to. Mm-hmm. And then I think that doesn't, um, well, hopefully that won't sever the relationship, right? right. It shouldn't, it shouldn't sever that relationship because no, absolutely not. it's, I, you know, I'm not expecting you to live up, to live a life according to my moral standards or to, to the Bible's moral standards because you don't follow it. 
Exactly. And I think that's a place that Christians have really missed. And that's where we just, we assume because God is our authority and the Bible, we recognize the Bible as his spoken word to us, um, that somehow it's right for me to expect of you that you would live a life consistent with him being your Lord and the word being your final authority when mm-hmm. you don't recognize those two things. And mm-hmm. then I feel entitled to um, sever the relationship if if you're not acting in a way that I agree with or say, having the perspective mm-hmm. that I agree with. And mm-hmm. um, it is it is such a shallow and truncated way of thinking about what it means to give honor and dignity to someone. That's not, that's, that's just saying, I like you because you agree with me. That's really different than right. true honor and dignity. Yeah. Yes. Which I could go so many different ways, but the thing that I, I don't remember the quote I have written down here. You had Gandhi's quote, which was kind of an ouch. Like, I like your yeah. Christ, but I don't like your Christians. Yes. And which somebody said on Sunday morning, which I thought was super insightful, like, okay, yes, ouch, that did hurt. And Gandhi himself was responsible for responding to Christ and not to Christians. Yes, of course. And so I thought, oh, that is helpful. Like. I am going to fail as a human follower of Christ and I can keep pointing people to Christ and not to me. Absolutely. Yes. Um, I think that's absolutely right. And um, the, I I guess a, a, a way that I would want to, engage the wider evangelical church in conversation. And again, I identify myself completely as an evangelical, um, but um, there is a, a yes and that we often miss with the, miss with the gospel. Uh, Paul says in Romans 6 and 7, I'm utterly incapable of living according to the law. Mm. And then in Romans 8, he says, I am expected to live in keeping with the law. And mm-hmm. uh, it's like, well, which is it? <laughs> He's saying on my own, I can't do it. Chapter eight, the new, the new factor that gets introduced is the spirit of God who inhabits us, right. who, who is at work in us to make it possible more and more for us to live a life that's pleasing to God as we open our lives to him. And, and I just think sometimes Christians can let ourselves off the hook for the rigors of a life that conforms to the patterns that God has laid out for us, Mm. because Mm -hmm. I can't be perfect. Then I'll just focus on being forgiven instead of, I can't be perfect, but I'm still called to a holy and godly life. And every time I fail, grace abounds. Mm -hmm. Yes. But, Mm -hmm. um, but that does not then mean, well, then why? I mean, it's, and it's really the question. It's so hard of Romans six, seven, eight, the whole question of, well, if there's so much grace, why try? And, mm. and Paul, I think, really makes it clear. No, um, it's absolutely crucial that we do. So so yeah. I would say there's a yes and to that comment. Yes, it's true. Right. Gandhi's, Gandhi's faith ultimately does not depend upon us. But he is saying, if, you, if, the, if, if every Christian acted like Jesus, the whole world would be full of Christians, you know, it, it is the most compelling evidence when a person lives a Christ-like life. It is the most yes. compelling argument for the faith. Right. 
Right. And I, yeah. The, the other quote that you mentioned that I just wanted to touch on briefly was something about the um, respect for our neighbor is unique for Christians among all religions. Yes, that was a, a quote by Hans Urs von Balthasar. Yeah, I just found that so interesting and, and compelling as I thought about, um, you know, just the different, different countries that I'm familiar with and their, their religious basis and, and how Christianity has, you know, when it, when it's introduced into those societies, it just completely changes. Usually the outcasts and the oppressed in the societies. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly right. I, I got a chance and I shared this with the congregation. I got a chance to go to Nepal and one of the things that I went up into one of the uh, high mountain villages and talked to people about their experience of the earthquake that hit not long before that. And they said that, the, and this is in a predominantly uh, Hindu and uh, Hindu region of, of Nepal. And they said um, the government failed to provide resources for the people in these villages. Um, they didn't have adequate resources. And then the then Hindu uh, priests came into villages and just offered care for their fellow Hindus. And then Christians came into the village and and provided care for everyone. And hmm. that single fact led to thousands of people coming to Christ in Nepal. Just that difference. And it, it's the playing out of um, at the very core of Christianity, because at the very core of Jesus is love. Mm. Yes. And the and our love, this is the other thing I wrote down, our love reveals the one we love and how we love each other in the church yes. and in this world. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Any yeah, final thoughts? Which, I, yeah, I mean, I would just say that to me, this passage is, is both incredibly challenging. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I think I heard the, the breadth of Jesus's authority and the depth of its gravity more studying at this time than I ever had. Mm. The king of the universe is saying, do this. I give you this command and it, so it is more challenging than I've ever been struck by before and more exciting than I have ever been struck by before. Hmm. Imagine what would happen. I mean, I, I shared um, how incredible, how I was just flattened by receiving this email from my neighbor mm-hmm. where I'm, I'm doing piddly stuff. I mean, I'm doing stuff that hardly makes a difference. And here comes this opening of a heart of a person that I don't even know saying what you are doing is Christ-like. And mm. uh, it's like, wow, is that really, I mean, this is a sense of the, the persuasive power, the transformative power of love as our primary means of sharing good news with this world that you just can't argue against. And yeah. It is so exciting to watch how 
people respond to it. Um, mm. So I, I think, yeah, I just, I, I've, I've loved watching how Covenant in the last two years has, and, and it's been, love has been a part of this church's life since it began, but mm -hmm. I've loved how the church has responded so eagerly in the last two years to, yeah, let's be about this. And mm -hmm. I can't wait to think what will happen as that becomes even only more defining of us as a church. Uh, it, yeah. when, when that is the thing we're known for, wow. Yeah, it's exciting to imagine and, and to realize in ways that we can't even, that we don't even know or just have glimpses of that already that vision is coming true. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And I think the thing that struck me, and again, this is going back to the neighborhood thing, is, is we think, I mean, what, what difference can I make? Um, we kind of disqualify ourselves from being like, I, I can't change the world or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. it, anything that I would do feels small. Mm. And the thing that I have been learning in my own neighborhood for two years is that there are no small things in the kingdom of God. Every That's small so thing gets transformed into something significant in God's hands. Hmm. Um, just like the five loaves and the two fishes exactly oh i love that i think that's a great place to end okay. um so thank you david for being with me today and having this thank discussion you, and thank you to our audience whether you've joined us live on facebook or whether you're joining us later on our blog or on our podcast we are glad that you took some time to spend with us today hope you have a great day mm -hmm.